God's story and God's word for us this morning. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from 1 John chapter 3. For this is the original message we heard, we should love each other. We must not be like Cain, who joined the evil one and then killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because he was deep in the practice of evil, while the acts of his brother were righteous. So don't be surprised, friends, when the world hates you. This has been going on a long time. The way we know we have been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for one another and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we ask for, for what, because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Claire. My friends, let's pray together. Loving God, as we show up to you this morning, we feel your simple command to love. Yet we also feel deep within us all the stories and the complexity of how do we actually really love one another? How do we love those who are similar to us, who are different to us? How do we love those who are difficult to love? And when we feel the shame and the self-critique, we wonder how do we even allow ourselves to receive the love you have for us? It is so simple. You repeat it again and again. Yet here we are again in need of a reminder of your love. And so, gracious God, I pray that you would be with us as we listen to your word this morning. As we reflect on our own life, our own community, and our world, may you use the words of a broken man like myself for your glory and for our transformation. Spirit, speak, for your servants are listening. Amen. There's a myth said out there, we don't know if it's true or not, of Mother Teresa one day walking into the hallways with a piece of paper, a poem, which she had found and enlarged and pinned up on the wall with those that she was working with. The poem went like this, people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you 
will accuse you of selfish interior motives, do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies, succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds, but think big anyway. People favor underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight, but build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them, but help anyway. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Our passage starts with a simple command that we've heard on repeat since the day Jesus landed on this earth. Love one another. I hear those words and I long to live into them. I long to live them out in my own life. But then I do remember and I'm faced with the reality that people are illogical, unreasonable and self-centered. That people, including myself, including even my kids who are adorable, can be very difficult to love. Yet the new command in the practice of resurrection is simple for our life. Love one another. John echoes back to the church probably 70 to 100 years after the resurrection of Christ, this command comes back in a sermon, in a preaching to the church. Love one another. Love is to be our ethic. Love is to be our life, our vision, our purpose in the world. Love one another. It is the ancient creational calling for which we have been invited to and will forever battle with. Love one another. Why is it so hard? From the beginning of the biblical story, we feel, still feel, the same conflict that this story brings up, that conflict of Cain and Abel, that inability to love one another because of power and fear and jealousy, comparison and shame and greed. It leads all of us in our systems, in our society, again and again to the place of Cain, to a refusal to love one another. And this story of Cain is not about us finding a way in which we can other others, we can other Cain, but we are given this story through this letter to this church to remind us of the ways in which we all murder one another. We refuse to love one another. I know to hear the word murder is heavy on our hearts and ears as we are only a few days away from witnessing the conviction of Derek Chauvin's murder of George Floyd. And after hearing that conviction, I know there were so many different reactions in the world. And I want to share a little bit of mine is I wept 
I didn't know why, but one of the reasons I began to discover is I felt my own spiritual conviction for the ways that I have murdered my brothers, my sisters, and my siblings. The ways in which I have refused the way of love that Christ has offered and is calling us to. For the ways that I have seen my brother and my sister in need, and I have the means to do something, but I turn a cold shoulder and do nothing. This is the way of Cain. This is the way our world often chooses. After Cain's act of murder, God asked Cain a question that echoes, I believe, into our present reality and to this morning. A question that I believe is one of the greatest questions of all of history. This question to Cain is asked after a soul-searching question. Another beautiful question was asked to Adam and Eve. When God found Adam and Eve, after they had been wandering and hiding, God simply said, where are you? It was exposing their hiding and their shame and their fear. And I think God in many ways are asking us this question, where are you today? Where are you hiding in fear and shame? Where are you hiding from your brothers and sisters? Where are you hiding from God? Where are you? It is not a question that seeks out just punishment. It is a question that seeks out intimacy, knownness. I want to know. Come out from your hiding and show up with your life. This is the first essential question God asks in the story. The second question comes soon after it. After the murder of Abel, the question comes to Cain in which Cain walks through the garden looking for, or which the Lord walks through the garden looking for Cain and he says, where is your brother Abel? This deep question, where is your brother? Cain replies, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? This simple, profound question echoes throughout the entire story of Scripture. Are we? It's a question that we're presented here and now in this world we find ourselves. Are we our siblings keeper? I remember the first time I heard this question, I was sitting in a scripture circle with many of you. And truly, it was one of those moments like where the voice of God seemed to be coming directly to my own story and my own heart and was asking me, Will, will you be your sibling's keeper? And so, friends, I want to turn it to you as I wrestle with it in my own life. What does it mean to be the keeper and the carer and the provider of another, to seek and know the love and good for those around us? I ask you this morning, are you your sibling's keeper? Not are you their God, but do you care and keep after them? Does the command to love one another direct each and every day of your life? 
is love what you are and what you were created from and for. In the life of Christ, we hear an answer to this question. In Christ's blood, we hear a holy yes. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. For where Cain robbed his brother's life, Jesus laid his life down for all. Are we robbing life from others? Or are we laying our life down for a love for all? The command is simple. Love one another. It's a creational command. And yet in this community, we try to live out and to understand the tension of two things that both, yes, this command is so simple. And when we wake up and put our feet on the ground, we need to remind ourselves, how will I love my brother, my sister, my sibling today? And we will hold that simple question for ourselves and we will hold it with also the mystery and the complexity of that question To simply love another is the most complex, difficult, grueling work you will ever do in your life. For to love well will demand everything of who you are. There will be bumps, there will be bruises, there will be breaks, there will be forgiveness, there will be vulnerability. There will be a moment where it's like, I don't think I can go any further into this invitation to love because it is scary. And to that, God simply says, love one another. St. John invites us not to perfection. It is not to a perfection of love because usually perfection keeps us from even trying to love. But St. John invites us to a daily practice of love. Let's practice real love, he writes. This is the only way we will know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God's is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Let us practice real love. Let's not just talk about love. Let's practice it. For playing lip service to love is just not enough anymore. We have to take the risk of participating in opening ourselves to love. Have you ever been in a room that is in a deep discussion about an idea? I mean, maybe like PhD level discussion about an idea. Everyone is passionate. Everyone is sharing about some podcast they heard that relates to this subject. And then people begin to maybe like share data that they have that proves this point or that point. But then something changes, literally energy changes and transforms in the room when we move the conversation from something that we're talking about to something that we're practicing. Imagine sitting in a circle with people discussing the importance and the complexity of loving one another. And then imagine a leader looking to the room and saying, let's pause from our talking and let's practice actually loving one another. Let's just try maybe just practicing loving one another in this room. I don't know about you, but all my alarms of like, this is awkward, like start going off. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Bell Hooks, the author writes, 
about what this longing to practice love could actually look like. She calls it the, the, the ingredients of love, which are care and affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, that of open and honest communication. What are the ingredients of truly practicing a love for one another? To choose the path of Christ in which we are our siblings keeper. We are not called to perfection. For, for, for a call to perfection will just lead us at a distance. We are called for engagement and a practice for an absolute failing in picking ourselves up by the grace of God, saying, I am a beloved child of God, and so therefore I am loved and I am called to go and love others. God is not just the idea of love, but in Christ we see and hear the practice and the embodiment of this love. How might you practice loving another this week? Maybe it's simply just the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's simply reaching out to the person that you haven't connected to in a long time that you're kind of nervous to re-engage with because it's been so long. Maybe it's taking stock of those you have othered and trying to build just, just an inch of empathy. Maybe it's listening to the stories of those who are oppressed and the bodies that are oppressed in our world and for just one moment letting our guard down and just saying, I believe their story and their experience is true, and they deserve the love of God. When we try to practice this love, I can promise you, you will be overwhelmed with shame and worry and self-critique. And that's why John says, please remember that when, you, when that comes up, that self-criticism, that I'm, I'm just not good at this, I don't know how to do this, I did it wrong, that when you feel that, that you also remind yourself that God's love is greater than our shame. God's love for you is greater than the shame in which you carry, in which you blocks you from engaging one another. Remember, our human consciousness is not an infallible guide for our life. We will get in our heads, we will freeze, we will fail, and we will feel sick to our stomachs. Yet even when we do and we condemn ourselves, God's grace is larger than all of that. God's mercy is greater than our ability to grasp it. This is how we believe in Jesus and live in God is by simply and complexly trying to love one another. For our belief in Christ and our practice of love are not two separate things. Let me say that again. Your belief in worship in Christ and your practice of loving one another and loving all in this world are not separate things, but they are one reality held together in God. We not, cannot proclaim faith in Christ and refuse to love one another. So may we, with simplicity and complexity, practice a love of for one another. May we refuse the way of murder.
and turn towards the way of Christ, which lays down its life for each other. May we with our life proclaim, I am my sibling's keeper. Amen. Before we come to the table, let us take a moment of silence. <clears throat> 